Welcome to the Auxiliary Gate, a weekly podcast discussing the best of Kentucky horse racing and handicapping. And now, here are your hosts, C.C. Broadus and Alan Schneider. Hello and welcome to the Auxiliary Gate podcast. I'm your host, C.C. Broadus, joined as always by the trusty legend handicapper himself, Alan Schneider. Alan, are you there? I am, sir. I am. I am. I am. am. Yes. How are you doing, sir? All right, Alan, I got one question for you. Are you wearing a mask? I'm wearing glasses that covers my eyes, so uh, does that count? It counts to me. Uh, One could argue that I was wearing a mask over my eyes last weekend, as I was no help in the podcast at all. My selections are still running up the track. Uh, On the other hand, you had a pretty good weekend, I thought, for uh, for our inaugural edition. your, your, your horse, uh, your best bet of the day, par- uh, Parlor, suffered an impossible trip, uh, broke slowly from the gate like he always does. He just hasn't learned to break from the gate yet and then mm-hmm. made a ridiculously early move and then got caught at the wire. But uh, that was, a, that was a, a good selection. I think he went off around 7-1. to one. If you bet him across the board, you're happy. If you backwheeled him in an exact or something like that, you, you're, you're good. But that, that, that trip could have been better. Would you agree? I would agree. I mean, I, I'm not one to really uh, complain about trips and, and jockey rides, but it was it was a bizarre one. It was a bizarre one, but uh, I got the consolation of winnings on that. I didn't get, catch the big prize, but I was happy the way the horse ran, to be honest with you. It was one of the weirder trips you'll see, but I think we could all agree with that. So, Well, you went home a winner in the last race. I know you loved Smooth Like Straight. And he, he ran exactly thought, like we thought he would. He went straight to the front, and you know he, he's he just a really tough horse. Mm-hmm. Yes, he is. Uh, tough to gun down. Got the fractions they wanted. And it was really heads up cagey ride by John Velasquez. But but we know we knew that going in and such. So every once in a while you get lucky and stuff. So uh, John Velasquez and Mike McCarthy did help out. I, and, I, I yeah. appreciate it for that. I, I reiterate how, how my love for. I have a man crush on Mike McCarthy. I think he's 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 one of the most underrated trainers in the country. True that, sir. Yes, you are completely. I uh, completely agree with you there. Uh, recapping the rest of the card, I, we've got to talk about Maxfield. That was an impressive comeback race in the Matt Wynn stakes. Uh, he earned a 95 buyer, and if you're into to the sheets, he earned a five on the Ragazin, and that that is fast. He it was a wide trip, and you know if 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 you know anything about the sheets or Thoroughgraph or anything like that, they they take in ground lost as as a factor in in caliber in in calculating their numbers, and he earned a five to. to to give you a reference, uh, Owendale, an older horse, he's a four-year-old, Ma- Maxfield's a three-year-old, Owendale ran a seven on the rag, and Maxfield mm. ran a five. The lower the number, the better. So you, they're making the case that Maxfield ran better than the older horse, Owendale. And and Dunbar Road. I thought Owendale ran great. I thought Owendale ran a big race, too, so oh, that's a little surprising. Owendale was huge. And Dunbar Road ran a nine. So she was slower than the, than the two. I mean, she's an older filly too. But uh, Maxfield ran a 95 buyer. Owendale ran a 99. So the the, the scale's different. If you buyer thinks they they ran a, uh, the older horses were better, but you know you can't deny that that was a very very impressive performance by Maxfield in the Matt Wynn Stakes. Uh, no question about it. And I think the thing uh, I think the sheets are also tainted. Maxfield's got more in the tank down the road, and I think we saw that that was a measured ride down the stretch forward tees. And as soon as he got a half length in front. He pulled up on the horse. He pulled up on the horse at the wire. So, I mean, I think he knew there was more there. That was 
one of those deals where I would call it the perfect prep, where you get the win, you leave something in the tank, and you, and you uh, have folks wanting more. And I want to see more from Maxfield down the road. I think we'll see that next month more than likely. I think after the news of the week, I think Maxfield's probably going to show up next at the Belmont Stakes on June. I have to uh, think so. Right at roughly the third third week of June. Uh, we learned today that uh, one of the leading contenders from the Baffert barn, Nadal, suffered a fractured leg in a workout. So he he's going to the breeding shed. Uh, he'll be retired immediately. And then uh, we, we, we know about Charlatan with the, uh, the, the flunk drug test. Uh, well, Baffert had called an audible and said we're going to run him in the Woody Stevens stakes. But now I got a feeling may, he may show up again at the, in the Belmont stakes. But there, there's a lot has to transpire between now and then. Uh, but, you know, it, it's been a, been a rough week for the Baffert barn, that's for sure. Definitely. And uh, today was kind of the capper. Uh, but, you know, uh, there's silver linings for everyone, I think. Guys like Brendan Walsh with Maxfield and Barkley Tag with Tiz Law, they're probably looking up a little bit this week uh, because that was a pretty tough combination they're going to have to face in Louisville on the first Saturday in May uh, with Charlatan and Nadal. Now Nadal's gone, and we'll see what happens with Charlatan. So I'd say those guys are actually kind of happy. The Baffert Barn, maybe not as much. A couple more points over uh, that I just want to cover over the, uh, the past weekend. Uh, Dunbar Road. Uh, I think going forward, I, I she don't get me wrong. I wish I owned her. She's a nice filly. I she ran a 90 buyer to win that stakes. I I think she, she'll probably show up next in the Ogden Phipps at Belmont on Belmont Stakes Day. That's a mile and a 16th Grade One race. Uh, she'll show up there. I, to me, she's a play against. Amen. Uh, Amen. Uh, she's won a lot of money, but not running really fast. Uh, you know. And, and and like I said, she's a nice horse, and she'll she'll have every opportunity to prove me wrong. But going forward, I'm against her. Uh, yeah, Chad picks has picked his spots well with her. That race was not the toughest to begin with. She's a Julie did not break well. Got hung a little further back than she wanted to. Uh, the horse you liked, uh, the name escapes me, got broke dead last, which we Vault. thought she'd be closer to the pace. Yeah, thought she'd be closer to the pace too. So Dunbar Dunbar Road kind of ran one of her typical grinding races where she didn't have to pass that many really good horses uh nothing taking nothing away from her she won like you said i wish i had her but of all the performances we saw this past weekend i wouldn't put hers near the top you know then the last thing i want to talk about as far as last weekend goes four of the winners were coming off layoffs impressive yes yeah that's Mm -hmm. something you you just can't say anymore that you can't take a shot against a horse that's coming off a layoff. I used to think, you know, that if you're ever going to beat a really nice horse, you're going to catch them first time off the layoff. But that hasn't, that wasn't true. You had uh, Sharing and Dunbar Road, Owendale, Maxfield, all coming off significant layoffs, and all four won impressively. You know, and I was thinking about that myself because, you know, we're horse players. We try to beat those type horses when the situation arises. Maybe it's because things have changed. We're later in the year racing. Maybe they've gotten more training time, more layup time. Maybe it's been better for the horse. Maybe the trainers have had to crank them up a little more uh, because they feel like the racing season is compressed. I'm not sure, but it was odd to see that many good horses win off the left and win fairly impressively, too. Speaking of impressive, we want to we want to oh. give a shout. Oh, we want to give a shout out to our to our buddy Dan Cronin and Fat Ball Guy Racing. Uh, he's a he's a really good friend of the show, and I, I you know touts get a get a, a bad reputation, but uh, I like the way Dan puts things. He Dan says 
you know, sometimes you need a caddy. Is if you if you're playing golf and you you playing a really tough course, you need a caddy to just you know give you some advice or or, mm-hmm. or give you their opinion. And, and that's what his sheet does. Uh, and you know, I I would suggest maybe you know trying to give Fat Ball Guy Racing a a look. Uh, it, it, he's he's really one of the if if not the only one of the only interactive tip sheets. He he's a guy if you if you have a question maybe. Hey, uh, I want to play this six horse on on Saturday. What do you think? You can just he'll you send him an email and, he, and he'll respond. And that's one of the cool things about Dan. I, I I love his service. He's he's passionate about the sport and he's a really sharp guy. And you know, it, if you get a chance, you know, maybe maybe email Dan and 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 ask him about his service. It's at fatballguyracing.com. The best part about it is I I do uh, I do Ellis Park for his sheet and and Oakland. And Oakland, well, yeah, I, I prefer Ellis. I, I have a little better luck at Ellis Park, but and it's a lot more fun to handicap, in my opinion. But I agree. Uh, yeah, uh, starting mid July, you can uh, you can read what I've got to say about Ellis Park. But uh, he, Dan's a friend of the show, and I would invite you to visit FatBallGuyRacing.com dot com and 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 see what he's got to say about uh, about the upcoming weekend at Churchill. He he'll he he pours a lot of a lot of time in in the replays and 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 giving out selections and and he he does very well. Yeah, he does, and he's a he's a like you said, he's a friend of the show, and we we appreciate the support he gave us last week going forward. So I appreciate that, Dan. Okay, turning the page here, I want to bring up a topic. Uh, now this is something you're really good at. Uh, sometimes I struggle, but I want to talk about our favorite Churchill Downs angles. <laughs> yeah. Uh, now one of them failed for me today, but I'm not giving up on it. It's one that you uncovered probably several years ago. And it it's well I'll let you explain it but I mean it, it's it's Mike Tomlinson going seven furlongs to a mile it's as simple as that it it makes no sense why why that angle works but uh, I'll let you explain well you know it's something I picked up on several years ago three or four years ago he got really really hot if you remember in the spring two years ago and it and I would catch on to the fact that you know his horses. He'd give horses, you know, they're going two turns, they're going short. It seems like when, when he thought they were ready to fire, when they were ready to, maybe it's the way he trains, I don't I don't know. But when his horses seem to fire their best shot, it's at the one-turn mile, the seven furlongs. Maybe the demanding trip, the way he trains is where he gets those peak efforts or where he trains them in such a manner that when they're going good, that's that's where he wants them to go. It, like you said, it did not work today in a bit of a lower level of claiming event, but uh, – as we've seen, it's worked numerous times over the year, most notably with home base, who is up tomorrow again. And uh, he's in really tough, but it's his trip, seven furlongs. We've seen it with Jordan's Henny winning stakes at 50-1 to 1 at Gulfstream. And there's several others that you can mention, but uh, I, I wish I could explain it. Um, did he get it done today? No, but will there be other opportunities in the future? Will he come through? Yeah, yeah, there will be. So, you know, I, I do play a little bit of angles, angles that I notice that other people may not and uh hopefully there are a few more um shots he'll fire at that trip so that's one of my favorite angles and i'm sure we'll talk about more in the future as well is that an auto bet i mean you just see uh, mike thomason horse run a seven furlong or a mile you just you, you say I'm, I'm i'm at least i'm at least putting two across on the horse you know i'm at, i'm at, i'm well i'll do the same thing with michelle lavelle and a couple other people too we'll probably talk about her in the future but yeah, for the most part, there are times when you can kind of tell that this is just a get used to it trip. But uh, he beat a field at Gulfstream a couple weeks ago with a horse called Irv's Winch. He uh, 
that was a really nice field. He, he blew him off the track and that, that, that he had prepped the horse, prepped the horse. He's ready to go at seven furlongs and, and he ran very well. So I would say 80% of the time I see him there at seven furlongs and one turn mile, you know, it's what, you know how it is in those deals. Like you got to have a couple dollars on him, right? Cause if you don't, you're kicking yourself well, at the end know, of the day. Tomlinson's a great trainer. He's just, he's very underrated. I mean, he, he's going to get ignored by the public because you know you, your big guns are always going to be in there. Your Asmussen's, Catalanos, those guys. Tomlinson is is just a good, just as good of a trainer. He just doesn't get the stock that the other guys get. So you're no. going to get a price on him most of the time. You know, five, six, seven to one on on his decent horses. But wouldn't you say that the 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 Jordan's Henny race? Going the, the uh, one turn mile at Gulfstream, that probably that was the that was the start of your bandwagon, would, wouldn't you say? I think yeah, I think well, I don't know. I think I was on it before because I think that was last year, but it might have been it might have been home base to be honest with you. Home base has won so many times at seven furlongs, it's hard to keep track anymore. Right. But it, but as you know, he when he tries to fire his best shot with his buddy Joe Rocco too, they like to sit that wide trip, you know maybe third and make that move today they did it today but they just didn't have the horse to compete with the winners so right yeah it's tomlinson rocco going seven it's almost an auto bet for me so you know just just to close out here I, one of the angles i love i, I love to, to hammer on a horse that uh like a trainer like dale romans in their first start if the horse is really really bet yes. you know two to one just unusual betting activity that usually means the horse is live but Dale doesn't always crank them up first time out. So you, you you watch the race. If he goes off two to one and the horse maybe shows speed and he, and he quits late. Okay. Well, you come right back, you know, you know, they, somebody likes the horse. They, a lot of the, his connections, they, they, they like to bet with both hands. Mm-hmm. So when they go to the window, so, you, you know, watch the horse when they come back, you might get a little bit better price because, you know, all of a sudden his, uh, his forms dirtied up a little bit. So, you know that that's something to watch. Uh, you just you have to follow it and 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 watch the wagering activity stuff like that. But you know that's an angle I, that, I, that I like to bet going forward. I was gonna say with Dell Romans, it seems like a lot of his really good stock is two year olds here at Churchill. They seem to run a little bit later in the meet, and when you see uh, he runs with the Alball family, that's when he those ones usually seem to be ready to roll and right. stuff to try, try to win first out. But you, I agree with everything you just said. All right, so coming up here, we're gonna have a we have a special guest to the show. Ooh. And yeah, yeah, yeah. We're we're uh, growing by leaps and bounds, but uh, so we've got a special guest here. We wanna we wanna introduce to the program. He he he's a good friend to to us, and and he's a big horse racing fan. So we're, right now we're gonna we're gonna introduce Brandon Jaggers to the telecast. How are you, sir? CC, I appreciate it. Doing well on this Thursday evening. It it kind of rained in Kentucky. I think we've had rain every day the last. 12 or 14 days but but doing well thank you hey alan hey how you doing pal great great brandon is involved in a partnership on, on some some thoroughbreds and and i know he's high on one of the fillies and and that filly is running tomorrow and brandon why don't you tell us a little bit about this uh this partnership yeah thanks cc well you know i've been in a couple partnerships before you know, mostly with friends, some with experience, some, you know, not so experienced, meaning with multiple years of owning thoroughbreds and racing and, you know, claiming and buying at sales and, and all that sort of thing. And uh, I passed on this partnership a year. They bought a horse called Meadow Dance and it was called Right Time Racing. So uh, the day that she came third in the Alcibiades at Keeneland, 
was the day I knew never to ever pass again. So, and, you know, Dan Glick is a great guy. He's, he's been a, uh, the manager of the group for a long, long time. Um, but we, but he started up a second, uh, partnership outside of right time called, uh, full of run racing. So we've, uh, we've purchased some fillies. We've got, uh, we purchased three last June. Uh, we have two with us still now. Um, what I've learned, it, it takes a lot of patience, but the nice thing about our partnership is Dan is just in it for the fun and the thrill of racing. He's not in it to charge the, the group fees to manage. Uh, I mean, he does everything above board, and I, I just love working with him and, and really building a friendship with him through this year we've been together. So an entire year, and we, we started racing last October. Uh, and then really picked up speed, you know, coming into this meet with uh, with Dream a Little Dream of You. Yeah, Dan Glick obviously has a keen eye for a horse. Uh, that, this filly, she's a daughter of Commissioner, who was, I think, stood for about 7,500. But he did win the Belmont Stakes out of a Deputy Wildcat mare. And obviously, obviously, he's got a keen eye for the for this for this horse because the pedigree is okay, but it's it's you know it's a freshman sire and and. And tell, you know, tell us about the filly. She, she looks like, you know, she looks like she's nice. Yeah. Well, you know, when we first bought her, she wasn't yet ready. You know, she was still the two-year-old in training and just, we couldn't get her ready to race uh, in her two-year-old uh, season. So she spent some time out in the Grange, out in LaCroix, what we call is like a layup barn where if they're hurt or injured or needed to just get some time out, it's a nice little place to take a horse and get them back to before they get back into training. And obviously we don't have to pay, you know, Brad Cox or the training build uh, until she's ready. And so, you know, they spent a, a great deal of time. She did out there. She had some little female problems and uh, she started coming around and coming out of those. And we kept an eye on her. I went and visited her. It was really nice. And uh, we were finally able to get her to enter in training, get her down uh, at the fairgrounds and, uh, we started out on two turf races, and you know, on the second second try, she won going away. So we were thrilled. Uh, I couldn't be there at the time because obviously it was during COVID, which really kind of upset me because I was going to travel and see her because you know the thrill of it is being there, mm-hmm. um, not watching on TV. But you know, we're excited. You know, we shipped to Oakland because there's really no other place to go. But you know, if you look at the dates, you know, from this race, kind of what we're entered on on Friday, race six. Uh, she didn't have a ton of time off in between March 21st to April 10th. So uh, she did move up after she raced that uh, and broke her maiden second time. But on the dirt, Oaklawn is a funny dirt track. I don't know it. I don't know it that well. It doesn't have turf, obviously. We're super excited to have her back at Churchill. But again, you know, we can't be out there to see her. But, you know, from what Brad has communicated to us through and Dan to us is, you know, she's working great, and he's the one that really finds the spots and position the horses so they win. I mean, and, and that's really what he tries to do day in and day out, and I've been with him long times before. You know, last year we were at the track a lot in the mornings. You know, Dream wasn't even in the barn yet until uh, really late December. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm thrilled about the opportunity tomorrow. We do stack up pretty well with, with the group of nine horses. There's two that I think – are really going to be tough. Um, but you know, I think our chances are good. Yeah, let's, let's talk about that last race on April 10th at, uh, Oaklawn. 
that race, it, it, it looked a little shaky going into the race, but it, it's come out real strong. The, the, the winner of that race, Peace of My Heart, I believe was a trained by McLean Robertson. She went wire to wire. Then she came back and won the, uh, the undercard stakes on, on, uh, fantasy stakes day. It was the day before closing day at Oakland. And then your second horse is a Steve Asmussen filly that was, that's been highly touted. And, and it looks like your filly suffered a wide trip that day. She broke from the seven hole. And I thought, I think she was, she was at least three wide all the way around. I, you know, I, I think that bodes well for you, for your, for your confidence going into this race. Right. And, 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 you know, hopefully we can rebound from that race. We do draw, you know, very well. I, I love the three spot. Uh, we are stretching out a little bit longer. I'm fine with that. She's got it. Uh, you know, even at a mile and an eighth, we talked about that. Uh, but you know, even on the turf, going back to turf, but Brad really sees something different about her. And, you know, just like all horses come March and April, they really start to grow. They shed that winter coat. They eat better. They just get going. And uh, just from the side of her and what we've heard and some of the videos we get in the morning, she's got no problems wrecking the gate anymore. I mean, she's ready to go. But, you know, there's a couple horses that I'm, I'm worried about, like Tempers Rising is one. And the other horse that she came second to, Strong Flag. So we'll see what they can do. But all signs are go. Well, your your top competition is going to be this Tempers Rising, but you know she she's the morning line favorite five to two, but she's won for eight lifetime, and it took her a while to break her maiden. It took her five starts to break her maiden. So you know she may be like the your prototypical pack animal, just you know wants to finish second, third, or fourth. So I mean I think you got a big shot tomorrow. Even if you run second, third, or fourth in this caliber competition, though, you, you, it's got to help you dream for the for the for the next spot. You know this. this I, you got to be high on your filly, and I, you know, I think uh, going forward, you, you know, she's she's really nice. Yeah, and pun intended. I do wish Dream would race at Keeneland during their four days coming up. Depending on what we do tomorrow, you never want to put too get too forward out, but uh, I would be thrilled to see her at Keeneland, uh, especially the week of my birthday, which is July 10th. Hint, hint, wink, wink. So let's dream. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, we're going to transition into Saturday's card now. Brandon's agreed to 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 lend us his handicapping perspective, and uh, it's a it, again, it's a very nice card. There's 11 races, and, and, it's, and it's highlighted by two stakes races. Well, a six furlong, the six furlong winning color stakes uh, features some nice stakes horses, and then the final race is the Mint Julep, and that that is a full field of just absolute super. You know, it, it's a super race top to bottom you know so so we'll get to those in a minute but uh uh brandon i think you like a horse in race three on uh, on saturday tell tell us about that yeah well obviously you know first time starters everybody you know kind of glances over maybe you know in this key in this churchill meet I, I it has been full of just different and wild creative angles i think you know just when you think you've nailed down a card you're going three for three or four for four on a pick four or pick five You've got an oddball at 40 to one, you know, that you would have never saw coming. So, you know, I'm trying to just read what the track has given us. You know, I think it's very speed favoring on the dirt. So, but, you know, I, I just, I love making special weight races, especially the races or horses that have not been seen before. So I'm going to really pay attention to Bastet. It's the number one horse with Joel Rosario. You know, just like today, a morning line winner on the last race of the card was 10 to one got bet down to three to one and wins, you know? So I'm not saying that will happen with this Philly here, 
but out of a Cairo Prince, Pioneer of the Nile, you know, grandsire, I'm very excited about this one. And if you look at the work lines, it's lovely what I like. I love to see a third work, you know, that throws 47 and two, you know, a bullet work in May, you know, early May. And then the next two works are basically maintenance works, but really May 25th, she was flying too. So at 10 to one, I like the chances. Yeah, I think Mott going to Joel Rosario, too, speaks volumes of what he thinks of this filly. Uh, I'd like to like to add one to that to that uh, to the equation here. This is a filly you might take a look at. I, I'm not saying she's going to win. I, she's she's a long shot. She's 20 to one. It's right next to your filly, Brandon. This is a meal <laughs> flourish. Uh, this is a this is a daughter of flatter out of an arch mare. But the the big thing is this: she's making her second start for Tom Proctor, who, who's you know a great trainer. He's he's been around the game forever. But I, he always seems to give his horses a race. And he, he brings this filly back going long on the turf. And I think that's exactly what she wants. She's, she's a big filly. She's got a big stride. Uh, she ran okay at Tampa last time. She broke, you know, toward the back of the pack, seventh uh, of 11 that day. And, and, and she, made a, she made a small mental move, but then she flattened out. She had nothing special about her that day. She comes back, uh, and, you know, she goes – she goes for Glen Hill farm who, who, you know, they're, they're not going to mess around with her. If, 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 if things don't go well, they'll, they'll retire and make a broodmare out of her. But, and the, 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 the dam, she hasn't produced a whole lot and, and herself, she wasn't very good, but the grand dam on the other hand produced two nice, uh, stakes horses. One was uh, coil who I believe won the Haskell invitation or Haskell Invitational for uh, Bob Baffert back in the day, and another horse chiropractor that, who was nice on the, on the turf. So, you know, th- this filly has some pedigree to reach back for in this type of spot. I, I, Alan and I have talked for, for years how the turf maidens in, in Kentucky are just not that. You know, they're just not very good. So, you know, this is the type of horse you might reach for a long shot here. And that that's just just keep an eye on her. You might you – might, drop a few on her but don't don't go nuts i mean you know the, the jury's still out on her but that's an angle i like is tom proctor second time out and that's exactly what we're getting here so uh let's let's move forward here uh, brandon I'll, well both of you, you, you there's some horses you like in race six uh alan won't you won't you take that and and tell us what you think you know um actually some of my picks there are kind of boring i think to be honest with you uh but in this race uh I'm a little intrigued by a horse. Initially, I was intrigued by Let Me Know for Ian Wilkes, and I still think the horse could improve of that second turf try, but I'm going to go to the far outside with Mike Stidham, who's had a sneakier than people believe meet. He doesn't have a winner yet, but his horses are running well. Tabled for Godolphin. Tabled. Uh, mm-hmm. Horse is eligible for this race, even though he won a 1X last time out because he he broke his maiden in a claimer so he's basically running the same level again uh the horse got to turf and the light went on the light went on uh he's rallied off of a soft pace he's just missed on the pace and then he rallied again behind a very quick pace so am i crazy about the horse no but then again i'm not really crazy about the race so the public's going to navigate or uh to Tiesto for Joel Rosario, Ellen J. Foxwoods, Bill Mott. Uh, definitely the horse to beat. Um, I don't know. I, I feel like he may take too much money, so I'm kind of going to look for an alternative. And the alternatives would be Ian Wilkes on Let Me Know or Ignacio Correas on Buy Me Candy. But primarily, 
I'm going to try table for Mike Stidham. Okay, Brandon, what do you think? Alan, I, I like that play a lot, I, and you definitely gave great information about the, the horse as well as recognizing, obviously, the morning line favorite, Tiesto. And it's it's a funny to even go outside, uh, but I, I like Mike Maker's claim back in December of last year at Tampa off um, turf uh, for Angelius Warrior, number 12. Ooh, ooh, uh, nice. I, just something to watch. I, you know, the tote will tell a lot. I mean, you could you could – say a lot of things, you know, hasn't started in six months and so on, but it's had some good works. Uh, and I just like Mike Maker off the claim a lot. Mm. I but like we'll that idea. We'll definitely be, be paying attention to Tiesto as well. Mm. Maker won today, right, on the turf, a seven-to-one shot, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, he did. Right. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's turn to race seven. This is the first of the two stakes races this on Saturday, this is the winning color stakes. It's six furlongs on the dirt. It's grade three, hundred thousand dollar purse. And man, this race really come up tough with uh, number two break even for Brad Cox and the Kleins. Uh, this filly, she's won seven out of her nine lifetime starts, over a half million dollars, and she has got speed to burn. And on the far outside, well, not the far outside, but in the eight hole, is Mia Mischief. Uh, she's a five year old mare that's won over a million dollars. 10 of her 21 lifetime starts have been wins. And it seems that she's dropped into the, uh, the or she's drawn into the perfect spot. As she'll, she's probably able to stalk uh, the early speed here, including uh, her nemesis to the inside break even. Uh, Brandon, what do, you, what do you see in the winning color stakes? I tell you, I love this race. It's just speed among speed. Uh, you know, Churchill's been very speed favored on the dirt, obviously. And if you look at some of the third race for me and mischief back in uh, November of last year, you know, she beat Meadow Dance, the horse that I missed uh, on an opportunity to become a part owner of. So I've always paid attention to me and mischief. Uh, I've had her in my stable a long time, but I do know from the experience I've been around with Brad Cox on the backside and, and Richard Klein is, is very tuned into his horses. And we went to Saratoga uh, we got to see, you know, her run there, and I'm I'm very high on break even, you know, for this race. But you got to play both of them. But honestly, if you're they're both almost near even money, pick one. I think this is a great single, uh, is break even. So, uh, you know, but me and Mischief, I just think they're going to run head to head. Oaklawn, I can't I can't tell what that race was that she ran at Oaklawn. You know, I I don't know who was in it. She did well. I I you know. Is it the right spot for? I think it was just a tune-up for break-even. What say you, Alan? Uh, you know, I think those two horses are fantastic. It's gonna be a humdinger of a race. Then you ask yourself, though, how do you make money on the race? Mia Mischief uh, draws basically the exact same race she drew last time. She's gonna have the eight-hole. She's gonna outbreak Lady Subi on the outside, so she's gonna be stalking break-even to the end to the inside. Does break-even clear off? Do they hook up at the top and wear each other out? Ultimately, for me, it's me and Mischief. I can't go against her. The horse is like a female Matoli. That said, how do you make money? You try to split those horses, I think, on them, because everybody's going to try to take those horses one, two, two, one. And Princess Causeway. Princess Causeway is a horse that's completely underrated. Landeros has won every time he's been on her in a sprint race. 
and it's, she as good as the top two, maybe not, but if they burn each other in a submission down the stretch and one finally gives way in the last furlong, Princess Causeway can come flying. So I'll take me a mischief to win. Would not be surprised to break even wires of field, but let me see if Princess Causeway can't bust those exotics up a little bit and make people some money. Uh, I want everybody to know that Alan is a Ian Wilkes fanboy, and you know it. <laughs> it, it, it never gets old. But uh, yeah, I agree. Brandon, what you got any ideas on how to make money off this race? Yeah, it, you know what I would play underneath is something that it's been quiet during the church shutdowns meet, and obviously didn't ship from Oakland, but from Turfway because I've seen some Turfway shippers on occasion at days at Churchill get in the money and I'm gonna I'm gonna go with underneath take charge angel uh number six the Ben Colebrook this is what I call a Ben bomb he's great at, he's <laughs> great at Keeneland nice. great at Keeneland <laughs> with Ben bombs obviously the speed ratings are not there for this for this horse for the Philly but if you go back you know last year last April she ran great you know and so maybe I'm looking for some type of rebound she's lightly raced you know last time out was February Decent work center. Let's let's give her a try underneath. All right. Let's move ahead. Now, we're going to skip a couple races and go to race 10. This is an optional claiming allowance race. It uh, goes two turns. It's a mile and 16th on the dirt. I'm going to I'm gonna lead this off. I'm going to tell you right now, when I play this card, if I play the late pick four, late pick five, I am going to absolutely single the number seven, Fearless, for Todd Pletcher. I think this horse has a world of potential. Preach. Yeah, so uh, let's let's go two starts. Well, three starts back, he blows the doors off his competition at Gulfstream going a mile and a 16 and wins by eight and a half lengths. Okay, they they immediately rush him into Stakes Company, runs in, in the New Orleans Classic. Uh, and, of course, he, he runs against By My Standards, uh, Captivating Moon. It, it's too much too early. Plus, I think the rail was dead that day. So uh, you always pay extra attention to horses that run on a dead rail. And he comes right back. On Arkansas Derby Day, uh, and he's too far back. They fly early, but he also has to run against Dunf. And Dunf was the claim by Robertino Diodoro, and this horse absolutely just exploded that day for whatever reason. And Fearless had to come from behind on a track that did not necessarily favor late late closers. So he, he runs hard, he runs second. But he had no chance to win that day. So he comes back, and I, he's my horse. I don't care if he goes off three to five. He, I will I will single him. I think he's the best horse in here by far. Uh, Alan, would, would you concur? I would definitely concur on everything you just said. The uh, they He's got a world of talent. They rushed him into that race at New Orleans, and uh, he, again, he was stuck inside against some better-than-average horses. By my standards, it's no slouch. He just he couldn't get going that day, and it was understandable running against older horses. I mean, he's a he's a four year old as well, but it's only his third lifetime start. And the race uh, at Oakland was much better than it appeared. Dunf Dunf was geeked to the gills that day, and Fearless just came rolling. Would have ran him down had a more race track. I don't think this is the toughest field we've ever seen at uh, uh, Churchill. And I would add that. It might be a, a race to, ma- again, make some money because people look, oh, the horse can be even money. Uh, how are you going to make any money? Well, obviously, you, know, you single them to pick four, pick five, pick six. However, underneath the second and third choices may be vulnerable, top seed and gun it. I mean, mm-hmm. they may get in there. They may not. I will be looking to 
Kazaringa on the rail. First time Matt Shearer with a tough horse. Uh, a game horse for Mark Sims. Now he goes to the Shearer Barn. And my buddy, Wes Holly and Miggy Mena on Thirst for Life. They're off form, but they could rebound at any moment. And I'll be putting those two horses underneath Fearless, but I'm with you. Fearless is a lone A for me. I'm I'm on Fearless. All right. Well, since we're in agreement there, let's let's move on to the finale on the Saturday card. And this is an old favorite. This is the uh, the Mint Julep Stakes. It's a grade three mile and 16th on the turf. And, man, this, this race is stacked top to bottom. You've got uh, Juliet Foxtrot for Brad Cox and Judd, Mark, Judd Mont Farms from the rail. Uh, Bo Recall, another Brad Cox uh, mare. Uh, she, she's won over a million dollars. Uh, going going down the list here, I mean, it's it's Nay Lady Nay won the Mistress of River Ear uh, in the fall for Chad Brown. Altea, another nice Chad Brown filly. Varinka for Graham Motion. She was a uh, a dead heat stakes winner at Saratoga last summer. Uh, it, it just goes on and on and on. Uh, Brandon, why don't you lead off? Who do you like in 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 the finale? I tell you, this race is jam-packed with some of my favorites, some very veteran horses we've seen. Uh, I mean, I could go five deep here, and that's probably what I'll end up doing, uh, obviously looking for a price. But on days like this day at Churchill and in this last race, I think Brad Cox is going to be flying high on this one. You know, he's, he is just ready to go with some of his both those early entrants uh, and the one and the two slots. Bo Recall's been around a long time. Julie Foxtrot as well. But, you know, is it is it Brendan Walsh? I mean, is he starting to turn on? I mean, anything about turf and Brendan Walsh, I think sometimes he has an angle. Sometimes he's got a shot. And I've been watching La Signer for, uh, for a while as well. You know, that's probably an underneath play. Uh, it's been laid off. I mean, I, I, you can't knock these horses that haven't been racing two months. They've stayed in training. The reason is, everybody knows, they can't find a place to race them. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I, I'm excited about this a ton, but I could also go to the outside with Tyler Gaffley on and Haniel Moon. I, I can't pronounce some of these names, but uh, <laughs> ju- I just I've been a fan. I like, you know, it's turning back in distance a little bit. I think we're going to a mile of 16 versus a mile and eight. Uh, I, you know, I, I think the mile would probably fit that horse better, but I'm looking for a shot. Obviously, you know, Craig and and. And Alan, I'm not a single player very often, but this card represents a, a definite singles early on, but not in this race. I'm going to be reaching. All right, Alan, once you uh, once you tie up the loose ends here, who do you like in the mint julep? You know, you know, I'm a bit of a long shot player, Chad. I I, I will look for prizes. And you look at a 14 horse race like this on the turf with older Philly, older fillies and mares, and I come back to Brad Cox. Uh, when you look at the race, when you, you take a closer look at it, those two lay over his two horses lay over the field class wise. In here, in my opinion, it's they're they're grade one, if not grade one animals, they're high grade twos. Mm-hmm. Who are going to get that? Juliet Foxtrot's going to get a grade one one day. I don't know if I can say that about the rest of the horses in this race. It's a boring pick. It's a boring pick, but it's Juliet Fox, uh, Foxtrot and Bowler call for me. Uh, I'm ashamed of myself. But that's how I see it. If I'm looking to maybe uh, blow up some exotics, I might look at Secret Message for Graham Motion, who began his career at Turfway, and then Motion got a hold of him. And and there's a few others in there. But, again, I'm on the two Brad Cox horses, mainly Juliet Foxtrot. (laughs) 
you know, with Johnny V and Secret Message, I think anything Johnny V, Grand Motion on the turf reads, reads you've got to play the angle. Those two combinations, the trainer jockey, the last 30 days or 60 days, you know, they're firing, they've, they've connected very well. That pretty much sums up the card. Uh, the, the pick five is really playable. I think, you know, you don't have to spend a lot of money if you want to try to hit it or even the pick four. Uh, you know, if, if for me, I, I could I could justify going too deep in the winning colors uh, with uh, the two favorites, and then I'm going to single fearless. And then, you know, if I want to hit the last race hard, I, I may I may spread out. I like Brandon's ideas there. But I also would, would probably play uh, Juliet Foxtrot and uh, the other Brad Cox, Philly, Bo Recall. I may play them a little harder. Uh, but, uh, that's gonna, that's gonna sum up another edition of the auxiliary gate. Uh, I want to thank always Alan Schneider for joining me and, and, and Brandon, uh, I think you did a great job today, buddy. Would you, would you mind, uh, joining us again in future podcasts? Oh, please. Oh, I'm, a, I'm always, uh, you know, willing to talk horses after, as my second job. Thank you. <laughs> all right. Well, that's all for, for this podcast. Uh, Good luck this weekend. I hope everybody has a has an excellent time playing the races, and and we hope you we hope at least one of us was right, uh, and 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 you profit a little bit off of our uh, selections. Uh, but until next time, we'll catch you on the flip flop snitches. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>